What is up, you sexy bastards? It is your boy, MDW, a.k.a. Rabbi Can't Lose, a.k.a. Noah Kagan. Today, I am giving you exclusive access to chapter one called Just F- Start of my upcoming book, Million Dollar Weekend. Now, my publisher said, Noah, don't do this. Come on, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this for you guys. So we are releasing chapter one just for you on this episode, unedited, uncensored. And this has been the chapter that has changed the most people's lives you're going to learn the now, not how mindset. You're going to learn the freedom number. You're going to learn how I overcame the fear of failure by getting fired at Facebook and a lot more and be able to do more in 48 hours than you've ever done before. And if you love chapter one, grab a pre-order at milliondollarweekend.com. We have exclusive bundles. And now if you've ever want to say thank you or enjoyed what I've put out, or you want to just change your own life and business, whether you're starting or growing, go to milliondollarweekend.com and grab a pre-order. We have exclusive bundles, which have opportunities to work with me, all expenses paid in Barcelona, Get weekly mentorship from me, see behind the scenes of my $2 million plus yearly income stream, virtual launch party attendance, and a whole lot more. Go again to milliondollarweekend.com and check it out. I hope you enjoyed chapter one as much as we did making it for you. Shout out Tal Raz, my co-author and putting this all together. I love you guys. Let's get it on. Chapter one, just fricking start. Begin before you are ready. Noah, today's your last day. That June day in 2006 was just like any other. I woke up at the Facebook house where I lived with the other guys who worked in Mark Zuckerberg's dream world. That morning, we all drove to the Facebook offices in Palo Alto. I sat down and began playing around with some modifications to a new feature I helped invent called status updates. Suddenly, the guy who hired me, who's now worth over $500 million, said, Hey, Let's go to the coffee shop across the street to talk about work. It had been nine months, eight days, and about two hours since I was hired as Facebook's 30th employee. I was just 24 years old, and here I was, among the smartest collection of people I'd ever been around, led by a man-child who seemed even then like he was the smartest of them all. Ivy Leaguers, big brains, coders, and entrepreneurial savants all of us doing what we believe to be the most important, impactful work in the world. I got 0.1% of Facebook in stock, which in 2022 would have been worth about $1 billion. It was heaven. Life moves fast. In a matter of seconds, I went from living my best life ever to a feeling of deep shame and embarrassment. Matt Kohler, early Facebook, LinkedIn, and a general partner at Benchmark, called me a liability a word I've heard echoing in my nightmares ever since. Most notable, while I was partying with colleagues at Coachella, I leaked Facebook's plans to expand beyond college students to a prominent tech journalist. I was self-promoting, using my role and experiences at Facebook to throw startup gatherings at the office and write blog posts on my personal website. As the company grew from baby to behemoth, the talents that allowed me to thrive in startup chaos became, well, liabilities in the structure of a corporation. Is there anything I can do to stay anything at all? I pleaded. Matt just shook his head. In 20 minutes, it was done. I spent the next eight months wallowing in grief on a friend's couch, dissecting every bit of what had happened. It was a defining moment, a before and after. Part of me had expected something like this from the moment I had been hired at Facebook surrounded by these super nerds always talking about changing the world. It made me insecure about who I was and what I had to offer. I was not a member of the same club those guys came from, a bitter fact I'd swallowed years earlier in high school. 
I was born and raised in California, grew up in San Jose. My father was an immigrant from Israel and didn't speak English, at least not well. He sold copiers, and I knew I didn't want to do that. Lugging around a copier is heavy, sweaty hard work. My mom worked a night shift at the hospital as a nurse, and she hated it. I didn't want to do that either. It was pure luck that I ended up going to Limbrook High, one of the top 100 high schools in the United States. I was an average kid in a competitive Bay Area school full of the sons and daughters of America's tech elite. My best friend Marty would go on to work as a senior developer at Google. Another one of my best friends, Boris, was number 20 at Lyft. Other guys sold companies to Zynga for millions. Being around these people in school opened my eyes and elevated me. But it didn't make me one of them. To get into Berkeley, I had to sneak in the side door. I got into Berkeley's spring semester doofus class. They called it extension. Solely because another freshman dropped out and their spot opened up. Worse, during my freshman year, I, as a native-born American, was placed in ESL, English as a Second Language, because I tested so poorly in English on the SAT. Honestly, I don't know how Berkeley let me in. The early years of my career were filled with almost successes. I got an internship with Microsoft my junior year. Normally, anyone who gets an internship with Microsoft gets a job. I was rejected because I performed poorly on interviews. Then I had a job offer at Google pre-IPO. Google rescinded my offer because I couldn't do long division. Long division! And then, of course, Mark Zuckerberg fired me. At that point in my life, I felt like I was not worthy of success. I was not good enough. It felt like I'd already lost the game and that everyone around me was better than me. I still struggle with those feelings at times. And yet even then, I knew I had something, a spark, or really, the ability to create sparks. But my gift was rough, messy, a talent that wasn't yet a skill. I had this incredible knack for choosing great opportunities, but I kept failing. On that couch after my Facebook firing, I tossed and turned under a blanket of shame. I couldn't imagine anything worse happening to me the rest of my life. I'd been just three months away from being partially vested. Don't remind me. My confidence was shot. Maybe they were right. They said I was worthless, incompetent, inferior. They being the voices in my head. Though I couldn't have told you this then, the best thing that emerged out of that period was a realization. I have got to figure out how to do entrepreneurship my own way and share those experiences along the way. And so I no longer hit anything. I told everyone about my failure. Years later, it even became a calling card. The guy who was fired by Facebook. And people loved it. My fears about what other people thought of me were totally overblown. Deep down, I felt liberated by my failure. Not liberated to keep getting fired and lose billions of dollars, obviously but liberated from the fear of doing things my own way, liberated to play and experiment to find my own path. And as a result, it lit a fire under my ass to get going on my own. Experimenting. Sean Purry said, show me an experimenter, and over the long run, I'll show you a future winner. And so I started again. The next few years, I tackled every business opportunity, no matter how random, that came my way. Daydreaming about some big, splashy score that would redeem my self-worth, and more important, allow me to show Mark Zuckerberg what a mistake he'd made. I was young, stupid, and reckless. 
but I was also learning fast. Cue that montage music. I'd quickly start an online sports betting site, realize I hated sports, and then find myself suddenly traveling South America and Southeast Asia for a stretch. It was an endless experiment of launching side hustles, website ideas, and adventures in lifestyle design. I taught students online marketing on Jeju Island in Korea, consulted for startups like Scanner and Speeddate, set up a startup versus venture capital dodgeball tournament series, blogged for my site okdork.com and launched freecalls2.com to cover the emerging internet phone call industry, launched peoplereminder.com, a personal CRM website, started entrepreneur27.org, happy hours and local events like chess meetups, created a conference business called Community Next that started pulling in $50,000 per event, doing what I would have done for free, bringing together emerging business stars like Keith Raboy, Max Levchin, David Sachs, and Tim Ferriss. It was during this time that the variables to the million-dollar weekend formula came together, and not just for starting a business, but for creating a life that felt free and fulfilling thanks to entrepreneurship. Each day a new experiment, a new lesson learned, living for the rush that only possibility can bring, until one day a friend showed me a product in development from an unknown company that was then called My Mint. The founder, Aaron Patzer, had created a tool to help people manage their finances, and the prototype he built blew me away. At the time, I was blogging on my site, OKDork, about personal finance, and I immediately saw that this could be huge. I was so excited about Mint that I told Aaron that I wanted to be his director of marketing. The only problem was, as he pointed out, that I hadn't done marketing before. So I did what I've always done. I just started. I hustled. And with no experience, I created a marketing plan that got 100,000 registered users before the site even launched and 1 million users six months later, which got me a full-time offer, 1% of the company, and a $100,000 job. Marketing is easy when you have a great product. Mint's product was so good that less than two years after it started, Intuit bought it for $170 million. There was, however, no $1.7 million payday for me. It was the math that sent me packing. I had figured that the company would sell for $200 million at most, which would cap my 1% share at $2 million pre-tax. Question was, Could I make close to that over the four years it would take for the stock to vest? Could I create more money, joy, and insight than I could by clocking four years in middle management? I bet yes. I believed I could because while I was working at Mint, I was also creating the formula for starting businesses that you are going to learn in this book. I spent my mornings, lunch breaks, nights, and weekends creating Kickflip, a company that developed apps for Facebook, which then morphed into Gambit, a payment system for social games. In less than two years, Gambit was generating more than $15 million in revenue. The value plunged later because of another guy who keeps appearing in this story. Thanks, Mark Zuckerberg. More on that later. My bet had been right. Using the principles that would evolve into the million-dollar weekend process, always staying alert to problems as opportunities, always starting experiments to find solutions, and always asking for the sale. I was beginning to see that to live well as an entrepreneur, I just needed to stop thinking so much and go get busy. That meant starting small, starting fast, and not worrying about what I didn't know. 
I became an expert at taking leaps. Being unafraid to start new things meant that, unlike most people, I was constantly conducting experiments in my personal and professional lives in both big and small ways, new industries, new hobbies, new technologies, new roles, new people, new side hustles. That's where I found my superpower, which taught me a lesson I want to pass on to you. Focus above all else on being a starter, an experimenter, a learner. Pro tip. Don't base your happiness or your self-worth on being the smartest, the most successful, the richest. Being so focused on the end result sets you up for a major fall because there is always going to be someone who's smarter, more successful, or richer. And every time you see that you've fallen short, it will eat away at your motivation. Defining yourself by the things you do each day, the process, will get you to where you want to be quicker and more joyfully than measuring yourself against others. That's the wonderful thing about experimentation. Every experiment has within it the potential of unforeseen rewards that can change your life. But first, you've got to start. Challenge. The dollar challenge. Ask someone you know for a dollar investment in you and your future business. One measly dollar. This is your spark. Once you do this, you realize the power of starting and the simplicity of business. Starting, asking, iterating. I've seen thousands of lives changed by this simple and powerful exercise. Tell them in exchange, they'll get regular updates and a front row seat to the process of building a business from scratch, warts and all, like a member of your personal board of directors. Sure, it's an insignificant amount, yet jumping right in and asking for it from family, friends, colleagues, is an oh-shit starting and asking experience that will get your heart racing. This is the script I've seen work best. Hey, first name. I'm listening to this book, Million Dollar Weekend, and they told me I need to get $1 from someone. You're the first person I thought of, and it would mean a lot to have your support. Can you send me $1 right now? Your name. Oh no, I'm on the hook for this, you'll think. Good, feel that fear and do it anyways. As my guy Ralph Waldo Emerson likes to say, do the things you fear and the death of fear is certain. Every day, people in my audience post pictures of their first dollar with pride. It is a symbolic game changer for anyone who's been sitting on the sidelines wishing they had their own business. And while you're at it, ask me, too. Here's my Venmo cash app, at Noah Kagan, or PayPal at okdork.com. I may even say yes. Post and tag me on social media, at Noah Kagan, hashtag the dollar challenge. I may repost you. The magic of now, not how. Starting, experimenting, really? That's a superpower? If you buy all the hype about Silicon Valley, everyone wears Patagonia jackets, can code with just one hand, and are all geniuses. I didn't get the coding skills or business genius part. But I can start a lot of stuff without overthinking it, and I can eat a crazy number of tacos. Oy vey! It seemed downright unfair for the longest time. But as I got older and started to experience some success, all sorts of people began seeking me out for advice on this thing I did, which never occurred to me as being a thing at all. Of course they didn't come to me asking about starting, or at least not knowingly. The people who came always talked about their dreams of running a business, about hating their job, or wanting freedom, or feeling trapped. The problem in nearly every instance was the same. 
they hadn't started. Only now do I understand what a problem that is and how life-changing it can be to get someone to fully embrace what I call the now, not how, habit. Why life-changing? When most people decide they want to start a business, their first intuition is to learn more. Read a book, take a course, seek out advice, and then take action after having carefully considered all the facts. After all, there are a ton of top-rated MBA programs, $10 Udemy courses, free YouTube videos, and entrepreneurship how-to books. So why wouldn't you learn all you could? That's got to be a whole lot safer, and it probably makes you a lot less likely to fail, right? Wrong. Overthinking seems like the smart way to launch, but it is far less effective. Super successful people do the opposite. They take action first, get real feedback, and learn from that, which is a million times more valuable than any book or course, and quicker. Most people overthink first, act later. Every successful entrepreneur, act first, figure it out later. Any analysis ahead of action is purely speculation. You really do not understand something until you've done it. Rather than trying to plan your way into the confidence to act, just start acting. So how do you instill this habit if it doesn't come naturally? Use the motto, now, not how. Pro tip. Next time you are overthinking and not taking action, tell yourself to prioritize taking action now and don't worry about the how. After you do this once, you'll quickly get momentum and it becomes easier and more natural. Every moment of every day, I push myself and everyone around me to live up to now, not how. When I want to achieve something and there's a version I can do in minutes, I just do it. Here's an example. Recently, an ad agency was pitching our AppSumo team on a new Facebook advertising campaign. My now, not how thought was followed by the dreaded promise of an email recap of everything we'd have to get started. Stuff like passwords, adding the agency to our Facebook account, new content needed, and so on. No, no, let's do all of that right now, I said, which took five minutes, saving us 24 hours of waiting. I know your inner negotiator may be saying, that sounds great, but my idea needs more time. Stop. Power comes when you automatically implement now, not how, in everything you do. So no more negotiating with yourself. You're just a doer. Say it to yourself out loud. Now, not how. Challenge. Now, not how, challenge. Ask one person you respect for a business idea. This is a quick way to get a business idea. You are going to do it for yourself and realize the power of starting now. You realize by acting in the moment, you feel great about yourself and build momentum toward your dream life. I'm even going to provide a script to cut off your inner skeptic. This won't even take you two minutes, but it will create your first spark and your second and third. So type this up in email. No, better yet, because it's faster, use text and send it to one of your friends now. Hey, first name. I'm trying to come up with some business ideas right now. You know me well. So I was wondering what kind of business you think I'd be good at. Your name. And just remember, all these scripts are free and easy to download for yourself at milliondollarweekend.com.
Don't be afraid to act. Be afraid of living a life that seems more like a resume than an adventure. And I promise, starting new things and following your fear makes life seem magical. You thought this was just about building a big, beautiful business? Sure, it's about that too. But it's also about using entrepreneurship as a way to renew and reinvent your life. The freedom number will set you free. I found a simple mission to hit a monthly revenue number is the most effective form of early motivation. I've never harbored any change the world, become a mega billionaire dreams. No big, hairy, audacious goals, which sounds kind of gross anyways. My dreams were of freedom. To make that dream come true, you first need to choose your freedom number. From my 18th birthday until I turned 30, my monthly freedom number was $3,000. Why $3,000? Because adding up what I paid for rent, the cost of the tacos and steak and wine I like to eat and drink, and the plane tickets that would let me work from Argentina or Korea or Thailand, altogether that came to a little less than $3,000 a month. At the time, that's what my living expenses were. Roughly speaking, $1,000 for housing, $1,000 for food and travel, and $1,000 for savings and investment. I calculated I could work from wherever with people I love for a long period of time on $3,000 a month, without ever having to do a single thing I didn't want. For $3,000 a month, I could have my freedom. For a long time, I kept my number quiet, thinking it was an odd, silly little trick I played on myself in my 20s to make me feel better about having accomplished so little. But the first time I mentioned it some years ago to a successful entrepreneur I was talking with, they blurted out, holy shit, no way, my number was $1,500. It turns out many of the entrepreneurs I know use the same trick at some point. For some, it's a smaller number, like $100, meaning they've earned extra income for a nice meal and feel a sense of empowerment. For others, where the cost of freedom might mean alimony or mortgage, the freedom number is higher. For all of us, remarkably, our freedom number distills the story we tell ourselves of why and how we succeed into a simple, clarifying goal. Why is this tiny trick setting one recurring monthly revenue figure so effective? First, it's doable. I didn't know it then, but my idea of the freedom number hit on the precisely right ingredients for motivating a serial starter. My number was 100% attainable, and the value I attached to reaching it, freedom, was infinite. A relationship that was so motivating to me, it always gave me confidence and served as an anchor in times of uncertainty. Second, it's concrete and it's urgent. $3,000 is not some kind of $20 million in net worth by age 40 dream that you can put off for tomorrow. It's a monthly number you can work on today. Even better, it can be super low. You could say, I want to keep my day job for now, but I want to make $500 a month on my own. That's just as valid. My side hustles were all small numbers, but they served as vital practice that trained the spark-making muscles that let me eventually leave the job behind. Finally, my goal had a very specific number attached, and that focuses your mind on what matters in business. Which are the things most likely to bring you customers? Many struggle to make their first dollar because they are so focused on how to make their first million. Focusing on an attainable freedom number, even better, just dollar number one, will change the way you think. What can you do in your business to make money this week, today, right now? You may not need a grand purpose to start, though if you have one, awesome. But it's also true that if you commit to nothing, 
you will be distracted by everything. The freedom number helps us not get lost in abstraction or complexity. It reminds us the mechanics of business are simple. Challenge. Choosing your freedom number. Start by choosing a short-term monthly revenue goal, your freedom number, and make it a number that doesn't scare you. Write it down in your journal, or better yet, say it out loud. My freedom number is... This chapter can be summarized in one sentence. Successful people just start. I promise you, who you are, what you have, and what you know right now are more than enough to get going. All right, that is a wrap. I hope you loved the episode as much as I did sharing this exclusive chapter one with you. If you loved it and you want to get the rest of the book, go grab the pre-order at milliondollarweekend.com before they sell out. Next, text a friend you love them. Yo, man, let's go do Million Dollar Weekend together and send them the link to milliondollarweekend.com. If you've ever enjoyed all the material I've put out, this is the one moment I have an ask of you to go make a purchase at milliondollarweekend.com. Before you go, slide in my DMs at Noah Kagan. Thank you, guys. I love you. I'm glad I get to share this with you. I'm excited for you and your own journeys and how this book can help you. Finally, a couple of shout-outs to the amazing team who helped make all this happen. Thank you to Jason at podcasttech.com for making it happen. Thank you to Jeremy, Cam, Tommy, Sylvie, Dylan, Jay from the Dork team for all the magic y'all do. Have a million dollar day. What's your favorite business book?